This is the Off Kilter Podcast. It is about breaking rules, listening to your ovaries, and coloring outside of the lines. Each week, we will connect and be in conversation about how to reignite your sexuality, feel powerfully graceful, and deeply connected to your body, all while navigating life. I am your teacher, Amy Kate Burr. Today's episode is on a hot little topic uh, called fasting and uh, was birthed from a question that I was asked uh, this week and it's also come up uh, quite a few times in my work, um, especially over the last couple of months through conversations that I've been having uh, with women around stress in their cycle. Uh, we've focused on their red umbrella and looking at what prongs in their umbrella really need nourishing. And this question uh, of fasting and why don't you recommend fasting and what are your thoughts on fasting has come up quite a bit. So I filmed a video uh, a couple of months ago And in the video, I was talking about how to nourish the food prong of your red umbrella. And the question I was asked from that video was, why don't you recommend fasting? So I made a little video uh, on my IGTV on fasting and why I don't recommend it, but it came up again this week. So I thought I would jump on the podcast and do a short and sweet little episode on fasting and why I don't recommend it, why I don't do it, uh, why I don't think it nourishes the food prong of our red umbrella or supports our red umbrella at all. So let's do it. Let's dive into it. We'll look at a little bit of the research behind it uh, and then what's actually happening when we're fasting and how I believe you can support the food prong of your red umbrella. So the first place I want to start is this belief that we have. uh, And this belief is that if we eat less, we'll lose weight. Or if we eat less and train more, we'll lose weight. Or we'll be able to change our body composition. And now uh, this belief is super common. Uh, It's totally normal. uh, And it's really not our fault. Uh, It really falls on the dieting space, the dieting industry and the fitness industry and this fictional belief that uh, we've created around, you know, if we eat a certain way, we can look a certain way uh, or if we eat a certain way, we'll feel a certain way. So one of these ways to eat less uh, is through fasting or you've probably heard uh, a lot of uh, talk around intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding. So there's many types of fasting uh, and there's probably so many that, you know, I don't even know about. Uh, there's the 5-2, there's intermittent fasting, time-restricted feeding, alternative, full-day fasting, The two you've probably heard a lot about are intermittent fasting and time-restricted feeding. They're super cool right now. (laughs) Uh, So 
to start off with, uh, there's two things that I want to highlight. So what I have found in my work uh, over the last 12 years, uh, working with hundreds of women and from my own experience and from what the science shows is that fasting is stressful on our red umbrella. It actually uh, causes a lot of our prongs to weaken. In particular, it causes our cycle prong uh, to not work very well. And this causes cycle irregularities. It destabilizes our metabolism and puts a lot of strain on our red umbrella. Uh, But we'll dive into that. Um, And then the second thing I wanted to highlight is when we're talking about the food prong and food and diets, that I believe that we don't find a diet or we don't find a way of eating. We create a way of eating for us that supports our red umbrella, that nourishes our food prong of our red umbrella, that supports our metabolism, our training. So let's dive into what some of the science says. So the first piece in this is that most studies around fasting are done in rats or in males. and are really focused on looking at the effect fasting has on aging, longevity, cognition. And there is a bit of body of research around fasting and weight loss. But to note that a lot of the participants in the studies are what they classify as obese or overweight. So they're very much above their healthy weight range and they put them on a fasting protocol uh, and they're measuring weight loss. Um, So there's, there's a lot in that that we could pick apart. But the thing I wanted to highlight here is that most studies are done in rats or on males and they're looking at the effect of fasting has on aging and cognition and longevity. That's where the big body sits. So a lot of studies do time-restricted feeding uh, or intermittent fasting. So your time-restricted feeding is you're picking a window of time and you're eating in that window. So the window could be six hours, eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours. Uh, A lot of the research talks of an eight or a 10 hour window where you're eating in that window and outside of that window, you're fasting. And then there's studies done on intermittent fasting and different forms of intermittent fasting. So let's actually have a look at a couple of studies. Uh, So there was a study uh, in female rats and it showed that a degree of nutritional stress. So uh, nutritional stress was classified as fasting or uh, calorie restriction of some sort. So what happens is that when the female rats were placed under nutritional stress through fasting or through a reduced calorie intake, that they had increased awakefulness. Uh, So during the day when they were meant to be sleeping, they were more alert, they were more awake. Uh, They had better cognition and they measured that by they were better at finding their food and they had this hyper alertness, this energy uh, piece. But over time, what they 
also found was that they became less fertile, that their ovary size actually dropped, which is super bad for fertility. (laughs) And their adrenal gland size, that increased. And they said that uh, in rats, it indicates an exposure to chronic stress uh, when the adrenal gland size increases. So they also found, which is the key piece, uh, menstrual cycle began to become uh, dysregulated. So they saw a lot of irregularities and dysregulation in the menstrual cycles of the female rats. And they found that it was linked to the proportion, uh, well, the degree of calorie restriction. So the higher the calorie restriction or the fasting period, the higher are the irregularities in the menstrual cycle. Another study uh, found that while intermittent fasting improved insulin sensitivity in male subjects, so we the male subjects became more insulin sensitive, they were better at um, using carbohydrates as fuel, uh, it found that the female subjects saw no improvement. In fact, their glucose tolerance of fasting uh, actually worsened over time when they did intermittent fasting in women. And then another study, uh, there's not a lot of body of science on fasting and training. And I found a study that placed both uh, fasting and fed what they classified as overweight women on an interval training protocol for six weeks. So both groups, uh, they found that both groups improved body composition and oxidative capacity to an equal degree. So their ability to pick up and use oxygen. So they concluded that being fasted or fed had no effect on their progress that they got from their interval training protocol for six weeks, which is really interesting. Uh, And that's really that one study. uh, And that's not even like a solid uh, study. Um, That's all I really found for females in training. And so when I'm talking about this today uh, and why I don't uh, recommend fasting and why I don't fast Yes, it's based uh, some part in the research, but a lot of it's based in my experience just from the last 12 years of working with hundreds of women and through my own training and my own learning, a lot of it's anecdotal and qualitative research. Uh, And I believe that that's really the most powerful kind of research. You can do a study, but there's so many variables that you have to be looking for. There's so many gaps in a study. So when I'm sharing this with you, this really comes from my own experience, from anecdotal and qualitative research, just by working with hundreds of women. So let's actually look at what's actually happening when we're fasting, uh, what's going on in the body. So kispeptin, uh, which is a neuropeptide with the coolest name ever, (laughs) is responsible for GnRH. 
And kispeptin is very sensitive to no food. So when we don't eat enough, when we have low energy availability, kispeptin downregulates GnRH. And it is GnRH that is responsible for the release of two really important hormones that power our cycle. FSH, so follicular stimulating hormone, and LH, which is luteinizing hormone from the anterior pituitary gland. So we have the brain, the hypothalamus, uh, which is in your brain. It signals GnRH uh, and it's GnRH that talks to the pituitary to signal the ovaries to release these two key hormones to power our cycle. So FSH pulses for estrogen and it's pulsing in the first phase of our cycle uh, and it pulses for estrogen to start to increase estrogen. And estrogen is our Beyonce of hormones and she is uh, she powers the first part of our menstrual cycle. And then LH pulses for progesterone and progesterone powers the second half of our cycle. And so if we've got low energy availability, uh, we're affecting kispeptin because kispeptin is very sensitive to no food. Uh, so when we don't eat enough, kispeptin then downregulates GnRH. And so we're downregulating that whole entire cycle. And because this chain of reactions happens on a very specific regular cycle in women, so our period is very specific, it's very regular, uh, and it's cyclic. And so if we start to disrupt something in that, it starts to disrupt the whole chain of reactions. So GnRH pulses must be very precisely timed or everything gets out of whack. <laughs> um, and this is where we see a lot of is cycle irregularities, um, long cycles, short cycles, no cycles, uh, no ovulation, heavy cycles. Uh, so GnRH pulses seem to be very sensitive to environmental factors. And what they found is that it can be thrown off by fasting. So we have low energy availability, which could be fasting or it could be a calorie restriction. And then that's going to cause uh, an effect on kispeptin. Kispeptin is going to cause an effect on GnRH. And then GnRH obviously slows down these pulses in our cycle. So we've slowed down the pulses of FSH and LH. And what tends to happen is LH tends to be affected more than FSH. Uh, its pulses are a little bit more sensitive and they pulse on a bit of a higher frequency. So we're seeing a, a big effect on progesterone uh, and weak progesterone. And this is where we see big symptom profiles, um, a lot of data points, PMS, um, a lot of cycle irregularities come from this. So most women that I start working with and most women in general are in this low energy availability state and then they're training on top of this. And if we do not eat enough, we get this down regulation of the resting metabolic rate, down regulation of thyroid 
And then we're in this like conservation state. Uh, and this causes our red umbrella to weaken. And it actually affects a lot of other prongs in our umbrella. So we're affecting our cycle prong, our metabolism prong, our gut health prong, our training prong by not nourishing our food prong. So how do I then support women to nourish their food prong? So I'm really supporting them to create a way of eating that supports their red umbrella, their training, their cycle, their hormones. Uh, and that takes some time and some practice. But if we look at, well, what is food for? So the food prong is a really key player in our red umbrella and it's for nourishing our red umbrella. It's to give us energy on a cellular level and it's to support our hormones and our cycle, but it's also for joy, love and connection. Uh, and I think we forget this a lot when it comes to food. So I start to teach women about, okay, how can we nourish the food prong of our red umbrella? Now, every red umbrella is different. Uh, every woman or female that I work with is different. So there are some basics that we start with, uh, and that is eat real whole foods every three to four hours. We're balancing our macronutrient content. So we want a balance of quality proteins, quality fats, root carbohydrates. We're looking specifically at what nutrition does for you uh, really comes into play when trying to get the results that you want from your training. Okay, so we need the basics, which is we're eating real whole foods, we're eating often, and we're eating enough. So most women that I work with don't eat enough food. So we're going to try and eat every three or four hours. We're going to balance our meals. So we want a quality protein, quality fat, and a carbohydrate, a root carbohydrate there. And yes, we can go in and go deeper and, uh, you know, look at amounts and really get into the, the balancing work. That's very individual. But just start by eating more frequently and eating enough and balancing your meals. That will start to nourish your food prong. And then we can look and go into, okay, well then how does uh, nourishing my food prong really support my training? Uh, but you have to get the basics right first. You have to just start nourishing the food prong with uh, real whole foods, quality proteins, quality fats, root carbohydrates, eat often, eat enough food. Uh, and then we would go into, okay, looking at further nourishing that food prong to nourish uh, and support the training prong of the red umbrella. So I need you to do three things today to start nourishing a food, um, food prong of your red umbrella. Eat real whole foods every three to four hours and balance meals with quality proteins, fats, root carbohydrates. Eat in a parasympathetic state. So there's so much research around if we're eating in a sympathetic state, so when we're in a stressful environment and a stressful state, we're actually not as good at uh, digesting and absorbing the nutrients. So we could be eating the right foods in the right amounts, but if we're not in the right state, 
we're not optimizing the absorption of the food that we're eating. So get yourself into a parasympathetic state, an environment that is calm. You're just eating, no screens, no technology. Take five to 10 big deep breaths before you start eating. And then the third one is to limit your alcohol intake. Your alcohol is a metabolic disruptor. It puts a lot of strain on your red umbrella and in particular, a lot of strain on your cycle, your metabolism and your food prong. So it really impairs healthy clearance of estrogen. Uh, And it's a toxin to the liver. And so if we're impairing our estrogen, detoxification that's going to affect our hormones affect our cycle affect our estrogen uh, and it's toxic to our liver which causes insulin resistance it damages our gut bacteria it impairs our nutrient absorption Uh, so i'm not saying don't drink at all i'm saying be mindful of the alcohol intake and try to limit that intake because it's really powerful on Uh, It has a really powerful effect on our red umbrella. Okay, that's it for today. That's my little spiel on fasting. Uh, If you have any questions, connect with me. I invite you to check out the cycle sessions. These free cycle sessions are space for you to ask questions about your cycle. Uh, We can talk about your report card. What is your cycle telling you? And then I can give you some support Uh, on creating a plan to help you support the cycle prong of your red umbrella. Okay, thank you. Thank you for making space, uh, for connecting in, for listening to me. And know your cycle because when you know your cycle, you know your body. If you have any questions, you can connect with me on Instagram at amykatebow. I also write a daily blog you can sign up on my website, amykatebow.com. Thank you for making the space to listen today. Remember, take the long way home. Bye for now.